It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. Yes, indeed, we're back. It's presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal. Rick Broering of Musketeer Report. We are back for another season doing this each and every Sunday. Uh, we were doing it twice a week, but schedules and such, uh, the Sunday seems to make sense for all of us. So it gives us a chance to kind of recap weekends, look ahead. But this is a preview edition with college basketball set to start to this coming week. Uh, UC and, and Xavier among those that are getting underway. Uh, fellas, let, let's start with this. I, you know, last year was was so much fun and it ended in such a bad way. And, and I, you don't say a lot of things that, that are deep, Chad Brendel, but you did say something I thought was really poignant the whole year. And you're right. You needed to enjoy that year just because it doesn't come around all the time for anybody. Um, it really doesn't. And that's, that's, that's the point that needs to be made. So this year being a new year, it's a different it's a different journey forward for, for both of these teams. Because yeah. you started with expectations last year. And I think to some degree both teams exceeded those expectations. But this year you don't, you don't have those. And in a way, I know this is going to sound stupid because fans want 30 wins and, and, a, and a number one or two seed. I think this can be fun sometimes. To an extent, yeah. I mean, I think it can be also a bit frustrating because new guys are stepping into new roles and, you know, their workload is increasing. And I think the biggest thing that that you'll see with UC and Xavier this year, when you had guys like Gary and Jacob and Trayvon and JP, those guys were playing 30, 35 minutes every night. And winning or losing was on their shoulders. It came down to whether they played well or not. Most of these guys haven't had that. I think Xavier's got a star in Najee Marshall. I think UC's got a star in Jaron Cumberland. I think those two guys will be ready to to burden the load. But all the rest of the guys for both of these teams now are in a situation where how you play every night is critical in whether we win or lose. Not just go in there for four minutes and get Gary Clark a breather so he can get him back in the game to help determine the outcome. I think that's going to be the journey that's going to be uh, fun. From, from the aspect you're talking, yeah. from a diehard fan, it's going to be frustrating at times because they're going to lay an egg and you're going to go, what the hell happened? Uh, well, they're just not ready game in and game out to be consistent yet. I think both can be fun. Um, it's more interesting the way it is now because you learn a lot more about your mm-hmm. team. The, right. the storylines, yeah. there's several of them going into the season. As the season goes along, they'll continue to develop, evolve, change. Last year, we were kind of waiting for the postseason in a sense, yes. and that's why Chad yes. kept pointing out, enjoy this as much as you're looking forward to what seed you're going to get and and what you could potentially do with one of the best teams in school history. Enjoy this because all this winning is fun, and it's not always like this. In fact, it's very rarely like this. So that's fun in itself, but I also think seasons like this where you know you're kind of in a little bit of a rebuilding. I mean, for Xavier, they're laying the foundations of their program kind of again with a new coach. Right. And obviously, a lot of those things are already in place. But you still, every time you make a big change like that with the head coaching position, you worry. Do, do you keep all that stuff moving in the in the right direction and keep the momentum rolling in the program? So I think this is still a really interesting and fun year for both programs. Start with UC in this. Have you have they found any answers to some key questions through any of the minor stuff they've done in the preseason? I mean, I think you you got some stuff out of the Notre Dame scrimmage because you got to play another pretty solid opponent. I don't think Notre Dame's going to be outstanding this year by any stretch, but you at least, you know, got to to test yourself and and they it sounded like actually they should have won by by more than the 6 points, the 5 6 points whatever it was that they did. Uh but I think they went 4 of 10 from the free throw line in the final minute and a half. So Notre Dame was able to, you know, close the gap a little bit, but um I, I think the revelation so far this preseason has been, you know, can Trayvon Scott be the third guy? And I think he's put himself in position to be comfortable in that role. With Kane Broon being the With second. With Kane Broon being the second, yeah. Jaron Cumberland being the first. You've got to get, especially in the front line, and that, you know, losing Gary and Kyle, losing Jake, you can compensate for that. Guards are more easily replaced than bigs that could both score with their back to the basket. You still lost two NBA caliber dudes and he's one yeah, of them. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but I'm saying you, you, I know. I, I get you. you had two bigs that could stretch the yes, floor, two yeah. bigs that could play with their back to the basket, could, two one, bigs that could pass. Yeah. They were really good offensive minded skilled bigs. One that could defend. One that could defend. One that is going to get paid here very soon. 
uh, with a full contract. Um, so I think that part is the hardest part. I think Trayvon Scott, he had right around 20 points, and the, they had a closed scrimmage. Then they had the red-black scrimmage. He was right around 20 yep. points, had 16 points against Notre Dame. If that trend continues, I think that was the biggest question to be answered. You know they're going to defend. You know they're going to rebound. A little worried about block shots. They've been in the top 12 in block shots in the NCAA in the past six years. I'm worried about that aspect. But other than that, I mean, finding more offense is going to be the key for this team. Xavier's a little different, Rick, because you've, you've had to play. You've, you've played without Quentin Gooden. Um, Hankins hasn't played. I mean, so you're, you're looking for answers, but you also want at least your main key piece, the point guard, to play around these guys. So this may be an even bigger work in progress. Yeah, and I mean, Zake Hankins did play against Ohio State in the yes, secret in scrimmage, scrimmage right. um, and didn't do a lot. I mean, he got in some foul trouble early, from what I understand, allegedly, if I had to guess. Good um, guess. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. We've got to use that with the super secret scrimmage. And never quite got into the flow of because things. Because if anybody finds out about the suit, that you guys even know anything about it... We get shot and killed. Yeah, I won't see you the next podcast. So On if, when this gets out, yeah, I'm, I probably shouldn't even go there, but... Nobody's listening, so go ahead. Okay. Just go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I think Zach Hankins and, and Quentin Gooden obviously both going to be big pieces, but you also kind of know what you have in them. The biggest question for this team coming in is, what do you have after like your starting five? Because I think they're confident now, confident now that Tyreek Jones or Zach Hankins, one of the two or both, are very solid at the center position. Then you have all the perimeter pieces. Kyle Castlin, a grad transfer, gives you a solid player that can at least defend and, and rebound and, and just be there and take up a spot. After that, where like can anyone else play at all? Is kind of the question coming in, and 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 so I think you've found out. Okay, you have seven, eight guys that can play, um, but how how good are they? And Ryan Wellage is going to be one of the biggest keys to me because without him, you can't shoot. Right. So you really need him to do something, or at least be on the court long enough. You know, his defense isn't such a liability that you can't keep him on the court to be a threat. Because at least teams respect his shooting ability when he's not in the game. There's not much you have to respect in terms of Xavier's perimeter shooting. All right, there's, there's two guys, one for each team, that, that interests me a lot because I, they, they need to take another step that, that makes you go, if they do, okay, then there's some good things that can happen. Kane Broom and Quentin Gooden. Let's start with, with, with Kane Broom. We, we heard a lot last year. We unfortunately didn't see a lot last year. I, I feel like I'm hearing more again this, this year, but uh, uh, where, 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 where does he stand going in, and, and, and what is, what is the, the upside, and the, I guess the ceiling for him, if you will? He needs to be a double, consistent double-figure scorer. I think what helps him the most this year is they're pretty committed to playing him off the ball, where last year they were trying to fit. And I think as we watched him, it was pretty evident. Well, even when he's on the floor last year, right or wrong, he's still the it's fifth not, option, right? Yeah, but he wasn't a point guard. He was, yeah, he's, right. not a, he's not right. a facilitator. He's not a right. set-up-your-team type of guy. Now, he's a guy that can get it in transition and get to the rim and score, but he's not running your half-court offense. It's not who he is. So this year, the, the plan is to play him almost exclusively off the ball. Um, that should allow him to be creative and, and get into a rhythm as a scorer a little bit more. Um, I still think consistency is going to be you know, the major question because, one, he's, he's undersized. And, and two, you know, if, if he's shooting well from the perimeter, I think he's fine because that allows him right. to do some things off the dribble because you got to – Stick with him. If he gets cold, has a cold stretch from three, I think things could be a little bit difficult. And just the consistency of, of again, like I said, every day being you have to score at least 13 points tonight or we're in trouble. Um, we'll see how he handles that, you know, in, in an increased role outside of at Sacred Heart. He scored 24 points a game, but he was taken – He's a high-volume oh, shooter. A lot of shots. Yeah. A lot of shots. High-volume shooter. And turning it over a lot yeah, as well. <laughs> exactly. But he was allowed to. Uh, how, about, how about for Q? I mean, what, what, what can he do maybe more and better offensively? Well, I think just being more aggressive and looking for his shot. And he shouldn't have done that last year. No, 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 no. I don't think he should have either. I just want to know, can he do that, though? Because now it's a completely different role for him. Yeah, he was absolutely right to try to be the lead and assist man in in the Big East, which he was. You had two guys who could score. Right. And this year, he should still be a facilitator and still be the sort of the straw that stirs the drink. But he has to be aggressive scoring. I mean, he has to look to get to the free throw line a lot, which is probably his best weapon as a scorer. Um, But also, he showed last year that he has some craftiness in in the mid-range. I mean, this is a kid who, granted, he was playing against pretty low-level competition in high school for most of the time, but his senior year, they went out and challenged themselves at Taylor County and and played some bigger games, and he, he performed in AAU at a high level. So 
he's a guy that had scored 40-point games in high school. He was never a guy that couldn't score, right. it, despite him playing the point guard position. I think he will be a guy that certainly scores in double figures and likely around that 12 to 14 points per game um, level. But it's it's more of a question of how consistent can he do it? Can he do it every night, even against the big teams, even when he's playing against the best point guards in the Big East? Because he has to play like the best point guard in the Big East, if one, this team is going to be a top three or four team in the Big East, and two, if he's going to start creating an NBA draft stock for himself or creating people looking at him for making money in the future, he has to show it this year yeah, starting start right now, now because right, right now right. he's not an NBA prospect. He's the best free throw shooter in America. Yes, he is. Made a big jump last year. He did make a big jump last year. Because the most unbelievable the, jump really I've was. ever seen. Because we life. didn't we even go back and look at his high school numbers and go, wait a minute, holy cow. Yeah, I mean, uh, Xavier practices free throws a lot. I don't yeah, know I, if people, they know they practice well, after they're now, tired. Wait a minute, here's the thing I got to ask though. Chris Mack listened, and he knew to have those guys shoot those tired. Is Travis Steele smart enough to, to have his guys shoot those free throws? Well, here's tired? the thing: it took Chris Mack years of coaching, and right? then finally, when he heard us on the podcast, he, I think he started practicing them. Travis Steele made a power move this year. He held an open practice, not Musketeer Madness, but an open practice right. on a Saturday morning where he showed the entire Xavier Nation they practice free throws at practice. Just showing that, that he's he's in on it early. Did they practice some tired, though? Oh, yeah. They practiced okay. first, ran right. a little bit, then practiced. It was total power move by Steele, showing he's way ahead of the curve. I don't, that's at least three more wins, maybe five. Yeah. Maybe. I thought it, I thought it was a little... Wait, good and absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, a little poor form to show up Chris Mack like that, but, yeah, but still. It's, it's, it's your program now, though. It is. You, you, you got to put your stamp he, on he it. He talked about getting Xavier past that extra 2%. He had a plan in place. Practicing free throws right away. The out of tired. tired. The clearly, clearly. Yeah, yeah. That, it's good. It's good to see that, that he's he, he's getting this from the start. It didn't take him like five six years into his career to understand how important it was to shoot free throws tired in practice. And I don't even know if he listens to our podcast. He may not, but yeah. but you know, it shows that maybe we know what we're talking about. Well, obviously. We okay, know. there's that. There is that. Um, I want you guys to assess the other the other team. I want you to look at Xavier Chad and and what what do you think of them going into this year? Where do you think they can go? I, I, for them, I mean, it's not real. I think depth clearly is their biggest concern because Scruggs, Gooden, and, and Marshall are all strong, solid, top 100, four-star, legitimate players. Um, Scruggs, I think there's some question of being the two-guard. We've talked about the shooting already with them. Um, is he going to be able, and I guess he won the three-point competition at, at Musketeer Madness, and has shown a little bit of improvement there. And he didn't shoot it last year as bad as I thought he would. I thought he shot it, shot it, especially he had a stretch in Big East play where he was got pretty hot, didn't he? Yeah, and Qu- I mean, Quentin had the stretch where he got really hot. Yeah. Um, Scruggs made a couple there for a stretch, yeah. Um, if he, I think if he can be a 35% shooter, then you've got 33, 35% shooter, then you've got three guys at the top that that you know will be able to carry you pretty much night in and night out. Um, I, I might be higher than on Najee Marshall than, than most anyone in the country. I think he's one of the three or four best players in the big East. Um, and he, was an, he was an honorable mention selection, correct? At the big East media days. Yes. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think their upside is, is there, but when you get into January, February, and you have to have that fifth and sixth and seventh guy step up and, and give you consistent minutes and quality minutes, I don't know where that puts them. So I think that's what takes them from a team that I would feel confident saying is going to be in the tournament and be in that five, six, seven, eight range to be in maybe a team that's going to be kind of bouncing on the bubble all year and, and needing some wins down the stretch in Big East play on the road, you know, key environments where they can get the committee to notice um, to get them in, you know, Comfortably, which comfortably being nine, ten. The, the one like thing that. I will say about each before I ask you, Rick, to, to talk about UC is I think the cachet that both programs have built up gives them still it, helps. Little, it gives them a little benefit of the doubt when you come down to it. If the season doesn't go to the point where you, you're breathing a sigh of relief on selection day because of the resume being really, really good, I, I think the cachet built up for both probably helps. I, I agree with that, and I, I think my point on Xavier Moore is in the fact not that they're going to be sweating come selection Sunday. But that they're they're gonna know looking at their calendar, we're gonna have you know we've got these three and we're gonna have to get two of yeah, them or yeah. you know like looking at it and knowing we're playing with a lot on the line because it's not gonna be like last year where it was kind of house money for both programs and they were saying let's get a one let's get a two right yeah how high can we jump up this year it's gonna be 
let's take care of these two games in late February, and that'll put us where we need to be going into March. I think that's kind of where they're they're sitting looking for me. All right, Rick, uh, as you assess, you see from the other side. I think both programs are in almost identical spots in terms of where they're. I think if both teams make the tournament, it's it should be considered a good season. I mean, um, Cincinnati lost a ton. They did. Jaron Cumberland's good. Um, I think he's one of the better players in the American, but after that, I don't know who scores for this team. I really don't. And my biggest concern is how is Mick going to coach this team? Because I have the same concern I did last year. Last year, my concern was this team won't reach its potential if Justin Jennifer is their starting point guard all year. This year, I feel like this team won't make the tournament if Justin Jennifer is who they're relying for as their starting point guard all year. I think we've already seen in the exhibition after watching it on uh, the stream that Logan Johnson is a better option than Justin Jennifer already. And obviously you have to play Kane Broom. He's going to be playing off the ball more, but those two guys are your backcourt. You're, you're a totally different team offensively when you have guys who are options. And yes, they're going to turn the ball over more. That's because they try to make plays. Um, Justin Jennifer doesn't give you that option. Xavier beat the brakes off of UC last year because they didn't guard Justin Jennifer. Right. Teams will do that again if he's the starting point guard. So to me, that's the biggest key is, is if you can get enough perimeter um, offensive production and uh, teams have to respect your backcourt enough to take some of the pressure off Jaron Cumberland, then I think this team has a chance to make the tournament again because, quite honestly, I think they know they're not going to get scoring out of the post. Yeah, Chad, is fair? Fair. I, I do think they feel like they're going to get scoring from Trey Scott. But other than well, that... I, I, that's fair, but I don't consider him a post player, really. I figure more as like an athlete. At the combo four, four yeah. Yeah, yeah I, Ellie and, and Nas aren't going mean, to be... Put it, put it this way. You're not throwing the ball to Trey Scott on the block and he's scoring for you. You're not really throwing it to him in isolation he's scoring for you. He's getting his points on rebounds and hustle and a transition and maybe making a mid-range jumper. I think you'll be a little surprised with the, the progress he's made. But it, until you see it, I get... And, you know, until he shows that he can do that consistently, right. I think that's fair. Yeah. I was talking about the, the two leagues. We'll start with the, the American. It, it, it should be better. Um, yeah. Well, it should Define be better. Well, better depth wise. I mean, yes. we, we've been talking two years ago. It was two teams. It was it was go ahead. I, I was just going to say that's the other thing I, I would have added. I think UC is kind of in that position. Xavier used to be in the 810 now where this is where the AAC helps you. You're not as good as you were, but you're still as good as anybody in that conference. Yeah. Yeah. You can still absolutely win the conference with the team you have, and the AAC may be deeper, but it's not as good at the top. Not nearly yeah, as no, good Yeah, no, and that's the thing. I mean, two years ago, we were only talking about two teams. I mean, that was it. We talked Houston about SMU. SMU that yeah. was it. Last year, Wichita well, I mean, even, got in the mix. Houston got in the mix. Yeah, I was going to say, Wichita State and Houston, too. Right. I mean, those teams have been up, and though, the teams at the top this year, aren't near, it's not nearly as top-heavy. Central so, Florida was picked to win the league. Right. Yes. There you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But... We we can now go down to five six ish and go. I, I think those go seven. Okay, really. seven and go right. plus two lanes probably back again. No, he he, no, he, they, he, they he didn't actually talk. Yeah, he didn't actually talk about this. He said he wasn't going but, to. But they'll be good offensively. You know, the best part, he told me he wasn't going. To, no, he said he wasn't going to bat for Tulane this year. No, he, he's, not, he's, not not without the two guys. They until lost. they get off to a hot start, beating like Tacoa Falls and 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 Dude, score one oh six Pee Wee yeah. Valley. And, you just got to commit to Tulane being your DePaul. But I, I, I liked some of the pieces they had. I, I can't commit and, to and Tulane the key there was, 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 was he, he I put, liked Tommy Hamilton and stuff. Right, that's it. The key is he put that in past tense, though. I liked. liked so that's uh, yeah. That was. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the rest of the, of what they've got there. Yeah, now. but no. But but this is a year though where you can look down. I mean, Wichita yeah. was picked what eighth, seventh, they eighth, were, not, eighth or ninth. Yeah. And again, they, they lost guys too. They I, lost. I, I, that is more. They lost nine guys yeah. than it is anything else. And I, I can't imagine. But, but, I can't imagine. But we all three talked about they this. finished that if, well. If you want this league to to be better, UConn and Memphis have to be Memphis come back. and UConn have to have to, and they and they're headed in that direction. Yeah, they've taken steps in that direction. So maybe not there yet, but they've taken steps in that direction. I think both have pretty good rosters. I think that's what is not being talked about as much when you talk about UConn and Memphis. Memphis has got maybe the player of the year in the conference in Jeremiah Martin, and they return everyone else on that team. They got a kid named Tyler Harris out of Memphis, uh, a little bit undersized but can really score. And then they got a kid that I love named Alex Lomax. Uh, he's like uh, He, he kind of is looks like Mike Warren, just a tank, little bowling ball of a dude that was Penny's point guard at Memphis East. And was the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Tennessee as a sophomore, junior, and a senior. That's pretty good. I lo I love that kid. He was committed to Wichita State. Then when Penny got the job, Penny's he, getting he dudes. switched. Penny's getting dudes. I mean, and, and then UConn has the only uh, fourteen-year senior in the country. Yeah, unanimous first teamer in the conference, and Jalen right. Adams. That's but right. like, 
if you told me either one of those teams won the conference, I, would I wouldn't be, be surprised. surprised. Right, right. As opposed to the last few years, you've looked at both and gone, eh. No chance. Yeah, eh. I mean, the roster Tubby had last year was abysmal. You want to hear a funny story? Won me a six-pack from me or a 12-pack or something. <laughs> so, right. from who? When we bet on not, the UC Memphis me. game. Yeah, you did. You gave you got me a 12-pack. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, so, the, the media day, the, the poll comes out, the coaches poll of teams, and Memphis gets a vote. And someone pretty close to the program jumps on Twitter and says, the coach that voted for Memphis should be fired. Why? I, I don't know. You know who the coach that voted for Memphis was? Well, I mean, you can't vote for yourself, right? For right. Those, yeah, you can't vote for yourself. Think about it. It's I'll, not hard. I, I, I don't know. Someone close to the program said the coach that voted for Memphis should be fired. I'm drawing a blank. Who? Mick. Oh, Mick. Okay. Mick voted yeah. for Memphis. Well, trying to put him on the spotlight. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah like a little that. bit, a little I bit like, of heat on him. I like that. But um, just like somebody voted for Butler, it's got to be Jay Wright. It had to be Memphis getting a vote is not nearly as dumb as Butler getting. No, a vote. No, no, I know that, but I just said it had yeah, to be Jay Wright yeah. because they beat him every year yeah. and they beat him like a drum at least once a year. And, and again, you can't vote for yourself. Can't so you, vote for yourself. You, so. you, you go. The thing is, you go completely off the wall because you realize they're not going to get enough vo- vo- points yeah. and votes anyway. So I'll just go somebody off the wall. And then UConn doesn't have a lot of depth, but they still have some pretty good guys at the top of that roster. Christian Vital, Jalen Adams. Um, they've got some guys that can play. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if those two are very much in the mix for the top three, four spots in the league, you know, coming down the stretch. Um, Houston's still going to be really good. Uh, they got a kid that I was really big on out of high school named Dijon Giroux. Uh He went to UMass initially and averaged 15 points a game as a freshman and then transferred to Houston. Um, I think he's going to be a really good kid from New Orleans. Um, they, if I was picking, I think I would pick Houston first. And you see where? Second. Okay, so you, that, that's fair where they went. And UCF down the, down the chain a little bit. Johnny Dawkins is still their coach, right? Yeah, yeah. There was that. T- Taco Falls is still seven foot nine. They're still counting on winning games 58 to 54. So. Wait a minute. Did you mean 48 to 44? Yeah, 48 to 44. Okay. I was going to say 50 is what UC's <laughs> planning on doing. Exactly. Uh, I don't exactly. know if you should be throwing Johnny's stones a, on that one. Johnny's about a 10-point differential less <laughs> Johnny than Johnny has, yeah, it's yeah so, 48 to 44. Yeah, 48 to 44. All right, Rick, uh, assess the, the Big East. Obviously, last year, two number one seeds come out of it. Uh, Villanova, you know, kind of the, the bell cow here for the last few years, but um, they lost guys. The conference lost guys. Yeah, that ain't going to happen yeah. again. Uh, Villanova is still the best team in the conference, but they're susceptible. I mean, there's some changes there. Jay Wright doesn't have a staff in place that he's had. He also, he's been really good at during this little stretch of the new big East where he's kind of dominated. He's been good at getting old and staying old, having older guys that know his system really well in there. He doesn't have that this year. He's going to have to go back to relying on some younger, talented prospects. I've been very high on them saying they're clearly the best team in the conference because everyone else lost a lot. Right. And they lost a lot, too, but they have the most coming back and the most talent coming in. Some of the coaches, though, that I've talked to kind of behind the scenes, not even necessarily Big East guys, guys who are just kind of detached from it all, have told me they are expecting it to be a little more rocky at Villanova, specifically because of the familiarity with his system being such a key that without having his staff and the, the personnel in place that are familiar with it, they think that might play a big role and make things a little more rocky. I still think five or six losses max for Villanova, and they win the conference. And then after that, I think Providence would be my number two, but you could throw two, three, four teams up there, and I wouldn't argue with you. I mean, if you told me Xavier was second, I could make an, I could see a case for it. Right. If you told me Xavier was seventh, right. I, could easily, I could easily see that happening. So I just think it doesn't really matter from about two or three to seven or eight in this conference this year. They're all going to be around the same. But the question is, how do all of them do in the non-conference, yes. specifically in those yes. big marquee games where you got a chance to win a big one and fix the metrics in your favor? Because that's what they've that, been yeah. really good at the that's last exactly three or four years. That's exactly what they've been really good at the last they, three years. They've won a lot of big games in non-conference. They've all done fairly well. Even teams like DePaul and, and some of the teams, St. John's, that were at the bottom would sneak in a big win or something that would help some of the metrics out, the RPI and strength of schedule. It really boosted, you know, when you got to conference play and everyone kind of played 500 ball, it made it all look a lot sure. better. So that's going to be a key again this year, but I don't know that they're going to have the same non-conference success that, success that they've been relying on. Right, let's do a couple of over, over-unders. I'll start with UC. I'm going to set the, the overall win total at 21.5, over or under. I'll go over. I think it's a 23-24 win team. All right, I'll set the over-under in the league at 12.5 wins. I'm going to go, let's see. 23, 12, that's 9. 
they can do some math now. All of a sudden, yeah, right? twelve and a half. I must have said a pretty good line with the twelve and a half because I, I think that's that's right. I, there. I know that. That's why I said twelve line and there. six is is right. That feels right. That feels there. about right, doesn't it? I'm gonna go twelve and six. I, I'll all go right, slightly under. Un, slightly under. Slightly under. Okay. I, I I could be thirteen and five. I wouldn't be shocked. Twelve and six, thirteen and five. Right there is where I think the math kind of plays out for them. All right, Jaron Cumberland over under seventeen point five points. Under, I'm thinking 15, 16. Because, okay. One, because he's a much better passer um, than a lot of guys that are forced to carry the load. So I think when teams start loading up on him, he'll be able to pass out of it for easy baskets uh, much more than, than most natural, you know, big scoring wings. Um, so I, I think 15, 16, probably somewhere in there as opposed to 18. All right, over, under 2.5 guys average double figures or more. Uh, that that falls on the shoulders of Trey Scott. I think Cumberland and Broom will. Okay. Uh, Cumberland will. Cumberland. That that part. Broom will too. Okay. I mean, he's he's going to be the other okay. the other guy scoring. I'll say I'll I'll put a little faith in Trey. Fourth year in the program has been waiting behind Gary Clark patiently since the day he arrived. Um, he gets it right at ten. Okay. Right at 10.1. Right. 10. So, so you're going three guys. At least three guys. guys. 10.1 okay. points per game. All right. Fair enough. All right, Xavier, I'm going to set it the over-under win total at 19.5 overall. Over-under. Regular season? Regular season, yeah. Uh, yes. I will go. Wait, do you give it 19.5 or 19? 19.5. I will go under. I think they win 19. Okay. In the league, I've debated this. I kicked this around as we were doing this. I'm going to go over-under 10.5 league wins. Under. Okay. Yeah. So that would be 9-9? Nine and nine? Or, 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 Nine. 10, 10, or 10 and 8. E, e, I mean, e, or, okay. or, or I could see them being 7 and 9. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, you don't think they could, you, you, you don't like their chances to go, go over 500 in the league? No, Is I think. I mean, ask? You don't I, like their chances for 11. Okay. I th- okay. I, th- okay. I think enough. it's 9. That's fair. It's 9 That's and fair. 7, 8 and 8, or 7 and 9. Almost. Okay. I, I can't see it being any different than okay. those. That's fair enough. I can't see them being too above for yeah. sure. That's fair. Um, over under for Quentin Gooden points per game. I'll set it at 13.5. I'll go under. I think he's right around 12. All right. Najee Marshall, I'll set it at 15.5. I will go under. I think he's about 14.7. All right. I'll do the same thing for him. Over under guys that average double figures at 2.5. That'll be over. Okay. And will it be over by like a couple of guys? And who will be those guys in your opinion? No, I think. Uh, I think you're going to have Najee Marshall, Tyreek Jones, and Quentin Gooden. So you think Tyreek Jones will be a consistent double figure scorer? Without doubt, okay, without yeah, a doubt. Okay. He's he's a, he scored uh, 23 in the exhibition we saw, and more than that in the exhibition we didn't see against Caleb against, Wesson yeah, against a better um, against a better one team. of the better big men yeah. in, the, in the Big Ten, and certainly a guy that kind of you would think would give Tyreek some problem because he takes away the strength and physicality that Tyreek usually uses to to beat guys. So that was impressive to me. He is. A lot of times when guys are in the best shape of their life and mm-hmm. lost 25 pounds, it means nothing to me. In right. fact, a power guy like him, I'd be concerned. This seems to have made a difference. I mean, he scores in different ways that he didn't use to in terms of like trying to get around guys and, and the footwork he has on the post. His touch looks better. And the biggest thing is he's playing 30 minutes without fouling, getting in foul trouble or getting too winded. So I think he's going to have a big year. And then I also think Paul Scruggs could potentially get in that double figures depending on how many points this team scores per game and i think they'll play up tempo so i think they'll score a decent amount yeah all right before we move on to kentucky and nku anything else on on uc and and xavier start with uc anything else we missed no just new arena i I think it's everybody's in for a treat on on wednesday night it's uh it's a really cool place It, it it looks it. It really does. I mean, just the photo gallery. We put up a mini photo gallery, and I, I kept scrolling through, going, "Man, I actually want to see more." It yeah. looks so cool. It, it just, it's not. I think the one thing, like one of the things that, as I was going through, I, I went through Tuesday um, before the exhibition, um, and then Wednesday they were taking the people that hadn't gone through Tuesday um, to to take a look at it, and I went back and like checked out some things I didn't get to the first right. time around, and. Um, put a couple of video like walkthroughs on Twitter. When you walk in that concourse, I mean, it, it felt like there was an impenetrable wall between the concourse and getting into the arena. Right. And now you walk into the concourse, and as you as you're walking up, it opens up. You can see the video board hanging down, and it just feels so much more open and kind of has a a bit of a feel similar to NKU. 
maybe a bit more open because the club. That's so weird that you said that. My my youngest brother, who also goes to all the NKU games, texted me when all those videos first came out and says, does UC's new gym look exactly like NKU? I was like, I don't think so. And uh, Where it does is that bar behind the student section. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gives just that, feel, just that yeah, feel of opening That up. feel of the student section leads into that open, like, walking area and then the armory bar is right there and um people are gonna it's gonna take some getting used to They're it's very uh modern they've got video boards uh ribbon boards that are flashing advertising um throughout the game i think that kind of annoys people somebody said he would uh was i can't remember if it was twitter or my message board they said that uh they had learned to uh tune out the video the ribbon boards and yeah, you can do well, that. You know you, what? You, you, you can do that. Yeah, you can yeah. watch the game. That usually does. Well, but I mean, these are pretty bright and I they're know, flashing but... during the game. But you know what? The, the advertisers, the people that paid money, they want you yes. to notice Correct. the video. Correct. They don't want you to tune it out. Correct. There's, there's they they would like for some return on their investment. So, yeah. you know, learn how to just not have it bother you. Yeah, there you go. I think. Anything else on Xavier, Rick Roaring? Well, I like D'Artagnan's drought. It's good. Is it? Did you have it? No, I said, will I like it? Oh, oh, I thought you said you, you no, did no, like it. No, no, will I like it? Uh, yeah. I mean, do you? it's it's pretty standard. It's not like an IPA or anything. It's a blonde. So okay. it's just kind of, you know. Kind of a sissy beer. Skinny likes blondes. I like, yeah, I like blondes. It'll, it'll work for me. All right, here we go. It'll work for me. I, I do. It's all good for me. Oh. Um, all right, let's talk, uh, let's talk a little Kentucky for a minute. Um, they open with Duke, and they open with a big game. That's going to be fun. Well, I, I, I did want to ask that, because I, I, I agree with you, um, but... When you open with games like this, it's never the team that you're going to see, obviously, no. in January or February or March. But it does, I think it's a cool way to usher in college basketball with a, with a game like this to make everybody sit up and go, holy cow, college basketball here. Not just that game, but the doubleheader that night. That's the biggest thing. It's just an attention grabber yeah. for, every, for everyone that's in football mode to kind of let you know, hey... College basketball started. I mean, that's all See, it is more than I, I always like the marathon, though, because I always like seeing weird schools. That's just me, though. I, I, I like, wish they'd bring it back, but I get why teams didn't want to play that understood. 4 a.m. game, yeah, understood. 5, 6 a.m. game. And I'm guessing the return on that for ESPN wasn't was, much. No, no, it no. probably wasn't. It probably wasn't. Um, but, but for Kentucky, um, a, a big way to start, and they do start it with... Uh, for a change, at least a more veteran roster. How much might that help them hit the ground running a little bit more? That should help them some. They also have a guy that's been anointed maybe the best player in Kentucky history. Tyler already, Harrow. Tyler Harrow. Um, Reed Travis is going to be huge Reed for Travis them. Reed Travis is going to be really good. That is a strong dude. Yep. Uh, your, your buddy Jeff Drummond was posting some pictures of him, and his muscles have muscles. Well, here's the, here's the one thing that really entices me about this Kentucky team. When's the last time you thought Kentucky was the nastiest, most physical team in the SEC? Right. Or maybe one of the most nastiest physical teams in the entire country. Right? Yeah, no. Right. Because their front court right now, I mean, Nick Richards and uh, EJ Montgomery are their third and fourth, fourth options guys, right. in the post. Yes. Those those are big physical talents, but they're nothing compared to Reed Travis and PJ Washington. The way those two dudes are playing inside I right am, now, I was a huge, you know, I was a huge PJ Washington guy, and it was he, he disappointed a little bit last year, but not everybody is a monster immediately. Correct, and used to be you were a monster about your junior senior yeah. year. That's when you were a monster. That dude, <laughs> I love the way he plays the game. He's physical. He's got some touch. I don't think we saw him do that last year really at all i've seen him in the aau setting obviously right. a little bit different but i've seen him comfortably hit threes that was a and show range part, that was a big part of his game as yeah. a prospect and we didn't see it at all last year we're gonna see it some this year uh, they're they've got what did we talk about was their biggest problem last year oh, like over and over no well not uh, there was no balance to their right. roster right they had five of the same guy sure they do not have that at all this year. They've got point guards. They've got a couple different types of point guards. They've got wings that, that are long and athletic and can shoot and can score. They've got stretch guys that can – I don't – Cal frustrates me there because he doesn't really use that position, even if he has guys. It's like when Anthony Davis and Carl Towns got to the NBA and everybody's like, holy those God. guys learned to shoot. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. Those guys could shoot all along. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a bit frustrating, but he's got that ability, and then he's got monsters in the post. So they have that requisite, this roster is well-constructed. I wonder how much he looked at that last year and went, I got to stop. Just grabbing, just grabbing right. as many high-rated guys as I and, can. And I'll, and I'll figure it out. Yeah. And and for most teams, I think stockpile as much talent as you can and figure it out from there is the right answer. For UK, that's worked out 
pretty well. Yeah. But I think you're right. He realized if you're going to have one and done and they're only going to be there for a year, they have to fit together somewhat. You've got to have a more balanced team. And I tell you what, I think Tyler Hero, as much as we joke about him being the great white hope and the greatest player to ever play in the state of Kentucky and he's better than Larry Bird and all these other things – He's good. He's going to be good and going to be exactly what they didn't right. have last year, which right. is a reliable three-point shooting option that isn't just a specialty shooter coming off the bench for you. That is a legit athlete. I mean, he's not a great defender, but he's a bouncy kid that can score off the dribble, can really get buckets in other ways. I mean, and you got rim protectors, though. I mean, you, yeah, got, you, yeah. Got, you got rim protectors. So I've, I've talked to two NBA scouts. Um, you know, the scouts do the cycle, sure, and they right. – Hit all the schools, and you know you're sitting there at practice, and you're watching, and you're just chit chatting. I've talked to two NBA scouts that have told me they think he's Tyler Harrow's the best pro prospect, the best NBA prospect at Kentucky. I mean, he can definitely get buckets. He's long. He can really shoot it. He's a he's a ideal two guard in the NBA. In the NBA. Yeah, and, and I think we talked about this when he when he opted the grad transfer, Reed Travis, when he opted to do it. it it's almost that was kind of like the uh, not the final piece, but just a big piece. that reassurance. Yeah, that- I mean, who's 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 scored and rebounded at a high level in in the Pac twelve, and um, is older and is you know is is he knows he is technically a one and done because this is yeah. this is all he's got in this one year. So he's got that going because he knows you know that he's trying to fight to, to to show that he can play in the NBA and show with guys. He just felt like a big piece for them to get at the end. There's a certain amount of toughness, maturity, whatever it is that comes, like kind of that old man stuff that comes with right. being in a program for three or four years and having losses and, and having adversity and seeing teammates, you know, go off the deep end and be a, be a distraction in the locker room. All, having to face all that stuff a little bit helps you overcome it when you face it as an upperclassman. Kentucky rarely has right. those types of guys who are also their best player. This year, Reed Travis might be their best player and he's got that type of wisdom and he's faced adversity and all that stuff. Such a huge piece for him. I think anybody that voted Kansas ahead of Kentucky is a lunatic. Like, should have their voting privileges revoked to to go back. I I I can't see any scenario where Kansas is better than Kentucky this year. And maybe I I don't know how you don't just vote Kentucky and Duke one two. Right. Even that, though yeah, I don't either. Like, even though I know there's some concern at Duke that that maybe those three main guys don't fit really well together because they're similar like we've talked about i think they're different enough uh i think zion is a freaking unicorn and and when you're that good i yeah. mean we're not we're not talking about like borderline top 25 guys we're talking about like we don't know which one is the number one overall pick in the nba draft between which, the three yeah. between, between all the three, three of them. Right. right so i think kentucky's going to be really really good I, I would have them number one going into the season i think they have everything top to bottom that you need to be the team that cuts down the nets yeah, I mean, there will be an immense overreaction Tuesday, right? Between whichever either way, yeah, correct. yeah. There's going to be a, just an. I mean, across I, I the country, if we get a blowout, yeah. yeah, if we get a blowout, there will. Right. If it's a close game, like a decent game, that everyone will be like, oh, oh yeah, this is these, these are my two, the high, yeah, these yeah, are the two best teams, national right. championship right. preview. I'm as excited to see Duke play as any college basketball team in a long time. You I'm, said Zion wrong. I'm I'm as, <laughs> no, no, I'm more excited to see Zion play than any college athlete I can recall. I know a lot of people are. Honest to God. I mean, I know a lot of you and uh, Bobby Regan especially definitely don't agree with me on that he's the, the best prospect on their team, but I, I, I've never seen anything like him. I agree with that. Nothing ever like him. I mean, t- take the fattest guys you've seen play in the NBA, make them ripped, and give them a 45-inch vertical, and that's Zion Williams. He is yeah. fat. Like 280 Tractor trailer fat. fat. Yes. He's, what, he would be the second largest person in the NBA and the other and the guy who's bigger than him is seven five yeah yeah I, Charles Barkley was a freak like that right back because I saw Charles and Charles college. even was 250 yeah and he was much shorter and Charles was only six foot four yeah. too yeah. but Charles just did things for a big guy at that but he point didn't we, jump oh like, yes he did no well, he not did like not, not, not like no, this no, no, but, but no, Charles, no, no. Charles Charles jumped Charles that, dunked on seven yeah, footers and go whoa, and, and, at that, and at that time it was a little bit different yes, too correct this is LeBron James 285 pounds athleticism yeah he's a freak He's an absolute freak. And and the, the one thing that drives me nuts about him, too, is everyone... People say he can't play. Everyone's saying he's only a dunker. Two years ago... So was Shaquille O'Neal, in case anybody's wondering. Yeah, but the problem is it's just wrong. I, I would know, be but fine if it was true. But two years ago, Elias Harden, currently plays yep. for Xavier, played with Zion Williams since Zion Williamson was younger playing up for Game Elite's AAU program. We watched him a, a lot, lot because yeah. of that. And at that time, I thought he was the next Draymond Green. 
because he was a below-the-rim guy, wasn't a great athlete. He could really rebound. He could really start the break by handling the ball. He could really pass, advance pass, outlet pass, make plays for his teammates, um, and he made shots. Like He wasn't a good shooter, but he made three-pointers. He made mid-range. He was crafty. And then all of a sudden, by the next year, he was the most athletic player we've ever seen. So this whole that he, he can't play and he's only a dunker is, to me, totally wrong. I, I do not agree with it at all. Yeah, it's a, it's a great first first matchup it just I, I, and again is like it I the said, first game or second game i think it's the it's the second, second game it's 9 30 game it's, 9:30. 9:30 game. it's a it won't game. end till after midnight correct but xavier plays that night so i'm good with it yeah yeah, yeah. i just wanted i wanted to start like seven o'clock let's go <laughs> yeah oh you kansas and michigan state yes. at seven that's, that's not bad that's a, that's a good little warm-up but i i wanted <laughs> not bad no, good little warm-up. basketball i wanted seven o'clock like the season yeah, kicks off all right it's duke kentucky here's kentucky duke let's go seven o'clock and the funny part is the goofy sounds that that may not even be the first game of the day there may be another one yeah First game, last game. But, but yeah, think, exactly. First game, last game. First game of the season was that, and you may end the season with that. So that, that would have been pretty cool. Um, before I get final thoughts. We got, we, got a, we got a crush, Mo. For what? He, he's he got a press pass, and he's not going. To that game? Yeah, to the to the Champions Classic. It's an indie. Man, I know it's an indie. I'm not going either, but I have friends that are going that invited me to go, and I can't go. It's disappointing. Highly got to crush you now, too. I know. That's pretty stupid on my part. I can't do it. Why Why can't you I do it? basketball practice. I have responsibilities. Practice. We talking about practice? We talking about practice. Practice, Not man. a game. Not 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 a game. Not, if you told your players, practice. if you told your players, I'm going to go see Kentucky Duke, they'd be like, cool, bro. I got one of my players that's going, actually. He's running, isn't he, when he gets oh, back? Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> you better believe that, mister. Because I just got hit up with that today, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to take that away from you, but a little better notice would have been would pretty good for me. If I would have played for one Richard Skinner in high school, odds on us getting into a fight would have been what? Me, Neg- me, yeah. me, me, me and you? you too, yeah. If, me if you, you coached me when I was in high school. No, we wouldn't have gotten in a fight. I think I think you'd you'd have been okay with it. You you, you don't think I would have quit the team if you told me I had to run for going to that game? Um, you might have quit the team. That's that's a you decision though. That's not a me decision. I'm not forcing that upon you. You would have ran. You'd have run. You'd have been like, that's all right. It was worth it. Yeah, exactly. No, that, that might be. See, right. that's exactly that's <laughs> that right. was that's exactly. That's right. totally where like running for something that's not worth it is what stinks. Yeah, going to yeah. the Champions yeah, Classic. You know, you're like, ah, I got those stairs, I, I, bro. I don't want to take it away from the kid either. I want him to go enjoy the game. He just has to know there's got to be there's got to be consequences, right? I guess you what you should do. I'd, if I was that kid, I would write a little book report up on your career and what you've done at, to make all your money in life. And then go, OK, really? You're the guy who's going to make me run for going to one of the best sporting events I could possibly ever see in my lifetime. It's got to be consequences. Would, would fall down the, the steps or fall down the bleachers in the Birmingham Bowl be one of those that, things that on that list? One. That counts. As I don't one. know if he did that to make money. I was. It, he was making money. He was on the clock. I, I know. I just don't know. I just he don't was know. making money. It's a good point. That's that's a legitimate point. Among the things that's helped his career, you might you might be right. That might be that, that, at the top of the list. It could be way up there. Face the first down the the the, the bleachers <laughs> of the uh, what is that place called? Um, Legion Field. Legion Field. Legion yeah. Dump. Oh, the the worst place I've ever no been. Question. One in of the most life. historical places, but just a dump, dump. Uh, you got a chance to go see NKU last week. I know you're you're high on this team, and and after you saw them, it was Thomas More. Um, so Thomas More College or Thomas University? University now. That's right. Yeah. It's not college. They were better when they were T- college. TMU. Um, Did Sydney Moss play? Just overmatched. I mean, that, that's all. Um, it's funny these teams actually used to play a, a series every year back in the Division Two, II, Division Three days. But NKU to, didn't miss a two point field goal attempt. That's insane. <laughs> Pretty good. How many of those were layups or dunks? Well, a lot of them, obviously. Well, I mean, there's good, I'm sure there was like a 12-footer on the baseline at some point, right? Yeah, there were some floaters and mid-range yeah, okay, stuff, yeah. but like, yeah, regardless, That's it's crazy. silly That's in every crazy. aspect. Yes. Yeah. Um, you're just your assessment of this team and what's a, what's a, a reasonable expectation for them? Win the conference. Yeah. I mean, I think the expectation has to be you win the conference. second, right? Second behind, behind Wright State, State. who um, is going to be led by freshman of the year, Loudon Love, who has a chance to be player of the year in the conference this year. He's going to be a double-double machine. Although Drew and your boy... William Wampler. Yeah. <laughs> Willie Wampler. It's a great name. It's a great name. <laughs> Willie uh, Wampler. Although Drew McDonald was picked preseason player of the year. And he will be, I think. But the, o- the only other guy I think that has a chance to take away from is Loudon Love, right. who is right. just going to absolutely dominate Wampler. the post. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Wampler. It's a great name. That's, That's JP's guy. Yeah. Willie Wampler. So can we just tell that story real quick? Go ahead. So at one point, UC was uh, recruiting the William Wampler kid, or at least looking at him a little just, bit because they, they were looking for shooting. a couple of times. Yeah. They were looking for shooting. And I think one of the And there is no question that William Wampler has to be able to shoot it. Whew. Son of a coach, Billy, scrappy. Billy Buckets. Yeah, Billy they Buckets. They call him back home. 
Uh, and so it came out that, you know, the kid had said, oh, yeah, I know Cincinnati well. One of my good friends from back home, J.P. McKira, plays there, right? So the next day, de- or a few Xavier. weeks. Yeah, it, you know, it's, in, it's yeah. in the city there. He plays Xavier. So um, next few weeks, I see J.P. at like an open gym or something. I was like, oh, yeah, I met one of your friends from back home, Billy Womp- Billy Wampler. Hate that kid. <laughs> <laughs> and one just, of his good and friends. And just, just kept on walking. Are right? you going to take a sign to the game at Wright State that says, JP hates you. <laughs> JP hates you, Billy Wampler. <laughs> hey, Billy. JP hates hate you. you. you get, get, a, get a good relationship with Billy William Wampler. Yeah. Um, you know, but NKU went out and, and got a guy, Silas Adiki, a, a junior college player who's going to give them some minutes in the post. But as much as anything, he's going to be the loud and love matchup. Right. He's a guy that's just immovable in the paint, because it, it, big it, and physical. If you want to look at it, you almost have to treat this as our season will come down to the possibility of playing Wright State to go to the NCAA tournament. Yes. In in the conference tournament. That's that's what you play the season for. Yes, if you don't get upset in the first round, of well, course, yes, of, of your yeah, conference yeah. tournament. But I think NKU is going to be really good. You you have the three from last year that were really good at the end of the season, with Jalen Tate, Dantes Walton, and Drew McDonald. And then you have six newcomers to go along with a few other guys that were looking to sort of step up last year. Um, Chris Vogt is going to give them some significant minutes this year. And, and I think you saw him play well in that NIT game against Louisville. It gave him some confidence, I think, coming back. He thinks he belongs now a little bit more, and he's still behind the other guys, but he's going to play some. And Paul Joko, a guy, an international player who sat out last year as a redshirt, he looks to play backup point guard. I think he, if he had to be their starting point guard, he'd be pretty good. Um, but he's going to give them minutes as the backup because they added a grad transfer from Norfolk yep. State and Zanai Robinson, who... I mean, he can really score, but he's also, on this team, he doesn't have to score like he did at Norfolk State. He can distribute and set the table, and, and he did that against Thomas Moore where he wasn't turning the ball over, he was setting guys up, and then he was making some shots later. He's going to be a difference maker. Is this their best roster that, that they've had with John Brand? Yes, okay. I think so. I mean, I think a lot of people look at the names they lost, right? but those guys were losing minutes last year. That's why they left, because they're getting recruited over, this program just keeps bringing in more and more talent. One name to look, I like their freshman a lot, one guy to really watch, Bryant Mockaby out of Kansas. Thought he was a specialist shooter coming into the, to, to the year. Now that I've seen him preseason a little bit, he's physical, he's a better athlete than I expected, he can get buckets in other ways, he can defend a little bit. He, he played really well against Thomas Moore, hit some shots and did some other things. He's going to be a big factor. Depth of the league this year compared to last year. You've got two teams. Yeah. Uh, past that, I mean, UIC is, I think, third, and I don't think they're really going to challenge. Were, I think they were picked third, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think they are clearly the third best team, but I don't think they're going to challenge the other two. And then after that, there's not much. And it really does. It's almost, in a way, to some degree, because Goovies, it sounds better. I mean, you're not getting, you're not getting, you're not going on a trip to Milwaukee and Green Bay and going, holy cow, these are impossible games. And it, it, it just, again, when you're one bid, bid league, as long as you're one of the two that's battling for it, go with it. That's And that's what I always say. I mean, Obviously, fans of the league complain, oh, the league was on an upswing there when right. Valparaiso was right. a legit team, and we had a few others looking like they had a chance to make the tournament every year, and they had these hopes of being a two-bid league. The Verizon's never going to be a two-bid league. Correct. They're a one-bid league. You just hope you're that team. So, like you said, you really don't want your fourth and fifth place team to have a chance to knock off your number one. Yeah, especially when it comes to tournament time. Otherwise, you'll never win a game in the NCAA tournament. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, all right lastly, before I get final thoughts, um, are there, is there a team or two that you guys kind of are looking back, going, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them play. Not not just Duke and Kentucky, but and the teams you cover. Is there a couple teams out there you're looking forward to? I mean, I'm not looking forward to watching them play, but I think a lot of eyes around here are going to be watching what happens with Louisville. You have all the FBI stuff that went on, the huge change. Then you have Chris Matt going from Xavier to there. I don't think their team is very good. I think the conference they play in is going to be very good, so I don't expect much out of them this year. Right. But he's also got a top five recruiting class for 2019 coming in. So I think it's kind of this year is going to be how does he set the table and and look forward to maybe putting Louisville right back on top within a year or two. So that's certainly something I'm going to have my eye on. Chad, anything for you? Uh, I I think what really is going to be interesting this year is Virginia. How do they respond to what happened to them last year? Because they're still going to be one of the better teams in the country. They're still going to be. So they're going to run their system. They're going to run their system. They're going to be a threat to win the ACC because, as we have learned, while the tournament might be more about offense, winning in the regular season, when you consistently do what they've done, you're going to be in a position to win the ACC, no matter how good the ACC is. They're going to be right there in that top two or three at the end of the day. Um, But does that have a culture shock on that program. I think that's fascinating to me that to, to see whether or not 
there are people in that program that start thinking this isn't going to work. Well, from the fans' perspective, they have to be there already, right? Like yeah. they're, they're in the position the Bengals are in. And now, not to compare it, their success in the regular season has been way more than the Bengals, but they're in the same position that at this point for them and Bennett... It needed to be... There, there needed to be a run to somewhere. Well, the only question for this program and Bennett, as long as he's there now, is going to be, when do you start winning games in the postseason? Yeah. Because to this point, you... And- and, and a system that you look at and you go, okay, this is great in the regular season. You can do it in the regular season. The system is not going to work in the, re- in, the in the postseason. It's proving it's not working in the postseason. So what do you do? And we we agree that uh, you know one game scenario, the NCAA tournament isn't best for crowning the best team. No, but, but there's but you a see trend year now. to year to year, and a team going out way earlier than it should go out because of the style of play it plays. Then maybe there is something to that. Yeah, maybe it's all blind luck. But whether it is or not, the narrative surrounding that team and its fan base is certainly. You need to start winning in the postseason. I mean, so. it's it's what we've talked about with defensive minded programs from the start. You're going to end up with an opponent that you're probably clearly superior than. But you're able to. But because able to of hang tempo yeah, and because of the three point shot, they're within six points at the under four minute break, and yeah, and then it's a, anything it's a, can happen. It's a two trip game either way, and two trips Except either way. Except they got their rear end kicked. Yeah, right. I know, but you. Know, <laughs> but what you're saying is correct. <laughs> Yeah, but, what yeah. You're saying is correct. but I, that they put themselves in that position, and, and you know, Cincinnati fans are familiar because sure. you know that that was the hope the last two years that that a team with four or five you know offensive weapons could could get over that hump, and unfortunately, it didn't happen. It's magnified at Virginia; they were the number one overall right. seed. They're the first ever team to lose to a 16 seed, and that has to hang heavy. I, I think Tony Bennett's a great coach. I do but too. But it's got to hang heavy around that program right now. They've got to make a run this year. I mean, Elite I, Eight, Final Four, have to. I think they can be the number one team in the country for almost the whole season. They can have that ridiculous season and get the number one seed. And their fan base will not think it's a good year if they don't make it past the Sweet 16. Yeah. And that's I fair. I really feel that's and that, the case. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Any final thoughts on anything else, boys? No, I mean, I'm looking forward to the SEC. I think the SEC is the best really conference good. in basketball. And, and two years ago, I, I crapped all well, over them and didn't like them very much. Credit to them. Yes. They went out and hired they guys. some guys. They got coaches. Coach. No they doubt. paid a lot of money, both for coaches I, and players. But I mean, it's worked out. Th- there are hey, some. You know the, the SEC motto. You ain't cheating. You ain't trying. Right. No, there are some who will, who will argue that Tennessee's better than Kentucky. Well, and I think Tennessee's more experienced than Kentucky yeah. and very good. They're not as talented, but they have the same thing that you mentioned, Chad, with Kentucky is they're very balanced. Yeah. I mean, they just have a complete roster with guys that can do everything and a lot of experience. So I think they're a legit top five, top at least top six, top, seven yeah. team. Yeah, right. Which is pretty good coming from where you were a couple of years ago, for sure. Yeah. No doubt about it. Fellas, got the ball rolling on this. Looking forward to it as always. All right. All right. Glad Chad to be back. Bindle. Rick Broering, Rick and I will be back on Wednesday for our Potpourri podcast. We'll be back with this podcast one week from now. This is the Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.